Filmmaking covers a variety of genres, and during the 1990s, one in particular saw a resurgence, the big-budget disaster flick. It's coming! It's headed right for us! It's already here. For two science-obsessed kids growing up on opposite sides of Pennsylvania, nothing left a bigger impression than Twister. The suck zone. I think we're going in! Join Kelly and Joe as they dissect the second highest grossing film of 1996. Debris, Dusty, we have debris! Minute by minute. Another cow. Actually, I think that was the same one. And relive one of their favorite movies of all time. No, that, that was a good sized twister. What was that, an F3? Solid F2. Tornado warning continues now. tornado for the first time and what will that do if we knew how a tornado really worked we could design an advanced warning system aren't there already tornado warnings well the civil they're not good enough they're nowhere near good enough right now it's three minutes if we can get this new information we can increase warning time to 15 minutes give people a chance to get to safety at least that's what these guys are trying to do I can't believe you actually did it. Well, we did it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> How do you get it in the tornado? Well, you got to get in front of the tornado and put it in the damage path, and then get out again before it picks you up, too. It's a suck zone. Oh, excellent. Joe, we got major action. The NSSL says the cap is breaking. Tower's going up 30 miles off the dry line. All right, let's go. All right. All right. So that was the 16th minute of the movie Twister. Welcome back to Solid F2 Podcast. I'm Joe. She's Kelly. What up? I, I unmuted you. You should have been ready. I was ready. Sometimes you don't let me talk, though. <sighs> All right. So we got some action or lead up to some action in this minute of the film. We have the final discussions about Dorothy and how the weather instrument operates. A little bit more exposition from Melissa. Thank you very much. But then we're finally to the point where, hey, we're going to chase some tornadoes. Yeah, I do want to say one more thing about the exposition that they talk about because it is it is the driving force be, behind what they're trying to do, why they are doing this. It's the big picture um, to increase warning times. And so she says in the beginning, Joe, I think she said last minute, like current warning times are three minutes. It's not enough. It's not nearly enough. And she sort of cuts Bill off when he starts to talk. And it's actually um, the beginning of this. Is it the beginning minute? of yeah, this one? I can actually pull it up here. So, and you can sort of see in his face, like, I'm More just going to let her talk because she has a, a personal investment right. in going back to the first five minutes of the movie. Yes. She has a personal investment in increasing. She knows that if she had had more warning, her dad would still be alive. Right, and it's right here. Yeah. The They're not good enough. They're nowhere near good enough. Right now, it's three minutes. 
If we can get this new information, we can increase warning time to 15 minutes. Okay, so she says there that we can increase warning times to 15 minutes, um, which is about average for what what we see. We see about 13 to 15 minutes right now for a lead time, the time between a warning going out and the tornado actually hitting in a given location. Um, But there's actually been research done that came out of Penn State. Woot, woot. Hello. Uh, where they're working to double that based on really high resolution and data simulation techniques that are it's coming out of Penn State. The Is methods that, being that they're using. Led so, by anyone we know? Uh, it's a, a scientist named Zhang Zhang Z H A N G. I don't know that it's part of the meteorology department. It sounds like maybe it might be a joint effort between like meteorology and the technology side of it. Um, but it, I only you know briefly glanced over it. But they made a good point that if you think about Sure, 15 minutes is a huge increase over three minutes. Yeah. But do you think you can empty a baseball stadium in 15 minutes, a crowd full of people? Probably not. No. So it's still not enough. So they're looking to try to double that. That article was from 2018. So I don't have an updated 2020 version of what they're trying to do. But increasing lead time to half an hour, 45 minutes would give people in those large crowd settings a chance to really get huge amounts of people to safety. So, Yeah, well, thankfully for places that have huge populations in a small space like stadiums and fairs and things like that, twisters, tornadoes are not the size of hurricanes. So the odds of those suffering a direct impact are much smaller, right. which is good. But if you're at a baseball game with Natalie, do you want to risk? No. Well, it's I'm, probably oh, I'm just going to sideswipe. No, I'm not, like, I'm not trying to diminish the, right. the research or anything behind it. I'm just saying, thankfully, in, in that regard, that's on humanity's side, not Well, and the, I mean, they use that logic. People have used that logic to explain why tornadoes tend not to hit big cities. It's not because there's some force field around a big city. It's that on the grand scale of the topological, a geographical, spatial scale, cities are but a dot. Right. So it just doesn't happen very the often. statistical odds of it happening are much lower. Right, because they take up a smaller footprint than... Now, a lot of more people would be affected. So I think there's, as far as the population ratio versus the actual scale of size... Of a thunderstorm versus a city. Um, that's why you just don't see them hit cities. It's not that they can't hit cities or that they won't hit cities or that they never have hit cities. It's just less likely because they are, they take up such a small area, like a large city like Oklahoma City or Kansas City, something like that. That doesn't mean that they won't be hit or that they never have been. It's just tornadoes don't aim. No. They're not, they're not driving down the highway and decide to take a left turn. You know, they, they go where the forces of nature f- make them go. But um, it's interesting. Anyway, so I just wanted to put that little comment out there about lead time. Sure. Yeah, and I think that's great. I love that it's a Penn State uh, reference that, that you're making. That's always wonderful. A uh, couple of things I wanted to point out here before we let you talk a little bit about the science that um, the researcher, I can't remember the character's name. Do you remember her name? No, let's not try because we never, okay. it won't stick. Um, yeah, that just doesn't stick. Um, she, she's going to say some science terms at the end that we're going to briefly talk about. But right here coming up, after uh, Bill lauds the uh, researchers, we're going to see a spot that I just 
find funny with uh, like with this. the character Preacher. I do he remember his name because he's the one that we're always making fun of. Yes. So why is he there? <laughs> what is your purpose, Preacher? So here it comes. He looks confused. Yeah, right there. Well, it's not this part. It's coming up here. Um, where is here it comes? Are there already tornado warnings? Well, the They're not good enough. They're nowhere near good enough. Joe took right that now, kind of personal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, Melissa has minutes. no intention of. <laughs> and here we go. And just like Preacher here, he's just in the background hanging out. And he <laughs> taking pictures. Taking pictures. Being, being weird. Why are you he's taking the, pictures of that moment? He's the tourist. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and then um, right here, roll well, right here. We're going to get a great dusty moment, throwback to, uh, what, minute seven or eight, whenever it was. <laughs> and Melissa just looks entirely uncomfortable with some man yeah, leaning into like, her ear going, this sucks. Uh, although, just a minute ago, they were holding hands walking uh, over there. They were. Uh, it's, She's two-timing, It's crazy, though. crazy. Uh, so here, let's listen to um, Bucket hat grad student meteorological discussion here and... We'll let Kelly comment on it if there's anything she wants to point out. The NSSL says the cap is breaking. Tower's going up 30 miles off the dry line. All right, let's go. So it looks there, sorry, before you jump in, that they're, they're like waiting to see if Bill's going to say let's go and then everyone remembers that Joe's in charge. I See, I didn't take it that oh, way. No, you didn't? I took it as... They were waiting for Joe to say, let's go, but Joe was waiting for Bill to okay, say, so I'm coming with you. They were you. waiting on Joe, but Joe wanted Bill to come. That's right. How you, that, that's probably And you can read. see his that's indecision probably... in his face. Right. You can say, you can see, like, he probably wouldn't have bothered except now Dorothy's there. And that's his baby. And he, he right. doesn't want to miss it. It really is when Dorothy comes in the picture, his demeanor changes. Every, mm-hmm. I think he gets the sentimentality of, or did I... Did I make a wrong decision leaving the research aspect to go into the broadcast part or and maybe inside and what he realizes later, did we make a mistake of ending our relationship? Right. Um, we mean stay together for the kids. So, <laughs> Right. For, um, for the four Dorothys. Yes. So, all right. Do you want to uh, listen to that one more time or you um, no, I can just dive I can, into it? I can explain it if you'd like me to yes i would uh so bucket hat grad student gets very excited because she's on her super old i don't know satellite phone cell phone it's cool it's a mystery it's a antiquated piece of technology whatever it is but she runs over to joe and she says excellent nssl says the cap is breaking towers going up 30 miles up the dry line so if we remember back to the very beginning, the NSSL is the National Severe Storms Laboratory. Yes. And they are the the cat lady at her computer and the everyone's wearing blue jeans in the office. It's where uh, Jeff Glo- Goldblum is the yes. director in our Correct, in our correct. Right. correct. Um, so they're saying that the cap is breaking. So I'll make a little analogy here. We, we know... Um, Fluffy, happy little cumulus clouds form in the summertime, right? These are the the puffy little shapes that we like to look at them and decide what we see in the clouds and laugh about it. Uh, when they start to build a little bit more, they start to get vertical height to them because of convection happening, um, warm air rising. What you see is a towering cumulus. 
Okay. Now it's usually that the towering cumulus, um, it builds up until it hits a cap in the profile of the atmosphere. And what a cap is, is usually something like an inversion where instead of the temperature dropping as you increase with height, there's a little space, a little level in the atmosphere where the temperature actually increases a little bit with height. That's called a cap. And when, when that happens, it, it inhibits convection. It stops air from rising as quickly. So I like to think of it as you have this building thunderstorm and this, this hot air is bubbling up, but now you put a lid on it. And that inversion, that cap, is the lid. The warm air still wants to rise, and it's still being fed by more warm air below especially when you have something forcing that warm air up, like a dry line that we talked about earlier in uh, Which feels like weeks ago. <laughs> it does. But what something like that does is it starts that convection. There's a little bubble of warm air on the ground, and it will rise as soon as something gives it a little push. And that dry line gives it that little push. Um, and now the, the cap in the atmosphere, the inversion, wants to stop that air from rising. But all the little bubbles below it are still are still giving that being given that push by the dry line. So now you have this, I like to think of it as like a little pressure cooker building in the atmosphere. Um, and so what she's saying there, the cap is breaking. That means the the convection is forcing through that inversion. And once it does, it's going to explode rapidly into a full-blown thunderstorm. And all that energy, that convective available potential energy has been built up that whole time. And now it's going to really rapidly feed this thunderstorm and it's going to build quickly. So that's what she means when she said the cap is breaking, uh, the tower's going up, the towering cumulus is is breaking through the inversion. Which we just watched here the right. other night. Not um, to the, the crazy degrees they see in Tornado Alley. but No, no, but we could see it uh, happening here in our own little corner of the world. Um, and it's she's giving a location. It's 30 miles up the dry line. So that's a little explanation. Excellent. And the character that we referenced as a grad student with bucket hat is Wendell Josephers Haynes. Okay, I'm still going to call her bucket hat grad student. Her name is Haynes. All right. That's a little, and and of course, that's what makes them all say, let's go. And they rapidly start to clean up all their shit that they. So here we are, 16 minutes in. Now we saw in the intro with young Joe, Mm -hmm. Tornado then, which we learned was. An eventual F5, despite the Fujita scale not existing. But we're going to dial it back now and start with our F1. We're going to get to see the ch- the initial chase. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun as that kicks off. We're going to get the introduction of Jonas and his crew coming up. Yep. So Those whole, cows don't care, though, in the background. They do not care at all. Also, it's sunny on one side. Maybe looks a little dark on the other. Just feel like we got to always point that out. Do you know Uh, why a thunderstorm looks dark? The girls ask me this all the time. Why are those clouds dark? I thought it was water content. It's water content and it's size of the water droplets. They refract the light differently. Oh, I just told Natalie that. (laughs) You were right. (laughs) No, I'm saying I just told her that the reason the color changes in the clouds is because of the size of the droplets. I literally just told her that. I'm saying... I know, but I didn't remember it sitting oh, right no. now. It's just like, it's the amount of water. But no, I literally just told it out the other week. But very sunny on, on Joe's truck there. It, the dappled the, look. Very bright It is yellow a cool truck. Through. I, do, I do love it. Uh, obviously, it's just because of this movie, because I'm not a truck person. But It feels 
solid though. Like she slams that. She slams into the bridge or whatever that is. Like it is a, that is a truck that is all metal. Not like when you when you buy a car and you expect a magnet to stick to it, and you're like, "Wait, how wait, much why, of my why, new car why is, is plastic?" This plastic. So, not saying that happened, but no, it not happened. at all. So that is minute sixteen of Twister, and we're gonna call it an episode here. So rolling right along, really getting into the interesting parts now. It's gonna move quickly, and we're gonna have some fun character introductions and some great, great, great quotes it's gonna be great it's gonna be great it'll be great it'll be great fish with an eye patch (laughs) all right so yeah anything else to add before we go i'm good all right we'll see you again real soon for minute 17 thanks for listening to the solid f2 podcast a minute-by-minute breakdown of the movie Twister. That's all for this week. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SolidF2Pod. SolidF2 Podcast is part of the JMNJR Radio Network. Visit jmnjrradio.com for more.